You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Good afternoon. As you can tell from the video we just watched, today we're talking about Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 1 as you're finding your seat. And this is more than likely going to be a three to four part series about Holy Spirit. I love in the video how it many times asks the question, do you know him? Not, do you know it, but do you know him? And we're going to explain why that's so important and so profound. I've entitled this part of the message, Blessed with the Promised Gift of Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1, Luke, the writer, 
Chronicling of Acts says this, I wrote the first narrative, Theopolis, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And after he had suffered, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom. And while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you heard me speak about, for John the Baptist baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up as they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you've seen him going into heaven. And so they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount Olives, which is near Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day journey away. And when they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And they were all continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Thank you, Jesus. This large group, these followers of Christ, are gathering together in anticipation of what Jesus has promised. All the evidence is all around them. Everything that he said that would happen has happened. They've seen the risen Christ. And so you could take it to the bank that when he says, soon you'll receive the Holy Spirit and you will be endowed with power. Do you think they believed him? Amen. Yes, they did. And they were waiting for this day. It shows us here, as we just read, that they're waiting in anticipation. And Jesus, Luke had chronicled this in Luke 24, said this. This was what was written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and the repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and look, I am sending you what the Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. And at the end of the uh, verse here in Luke 52, it says, after worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple praising God. Do you think they had something to be excited about? Sure, there's a lot of craziness happening. I mean, in many respects, they are running for their lives. They're being hunted. 
The governing officials are not happy with what has happened. They're trying to put a stop to it. And yet they put that in the rear view, if you will, and anticipating this outpouring. It says they're celebrating. They're praising in the temple because they've been forgiven of their sin. And assuredly, they're about to receive promised Holy Spirit. How would you react if you were one of their number? If you were there that day, what would you do? This is a little bit of an exercise I like to, I like to put myself through as I read the word. You know, Angie, would, would you be of their fold? Or would you maybe hide away in a closet somewhere? Or would you wait, as Jesus said, to anticipate and to expect the promise? And so big idea for today is this. It's a gift as we know. A blessed gift for all who believe in Jesus. You know, we look forward to Acts chapter 2, and we know because we have the word of God, we can read it for ourselves, this outpouring happened on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was an important festival on the Jewish calendar. It's a time in which they would celebrate the, the wheat harvest, and so it would be a fitting event for this promised gift to be poured out because in many respects, it would signal a new harvest. God was about to do something new in their midst, but also it would signal the covenant promise that God had with his people that he would continue to act upon them. He would continue to act within their midst, and he would empower them to walk and live as Jesus walked and lived. But is this just something we read about? Is this just something we say, oh, that's nice. Lydia, isn't that cool? We go about our day. No, it's supposed to be something that encourages us and energizes us to lean into Holy Spirit, to desire all that God would pour out on us here today because he loves us. He loves his creation. And as we look through the word throughout scripture, we're going to see that whenever you see the word spirit, spirit of God, Holy Spirit, and other descripting factors, it's speaking to God's activity upon his creation. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, you probably know this very well. The prophet Ezekiel writes this, of the Lord speaking, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Think about something alive, something beating. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Look at that word cause. There's a causation here. When you lean into Holy Spirit, when you anticipate his moving in your life, there is an effect that's going to happen. He's going to move upon you. He's going to fill you and empower you to be like Christ. And so here we see, for lack of other words, God is coming down as promised via his spirit, marking an ever so personal, like the video showed us, a personal empowerment, a causation of the manifestation of his spirit for all who believe. Do you believe this? Do you know him? The apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. He says in 12 verse 4, there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. 
There are different activities, but the same God who works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. You can't be here today and confess to be a Christian and say, I don't want what you have, Holy Spirit. This is the promise of the manifestation that where two or three are gathered, his presence is with us. We are in his midst and he is with us. On any account, any situation we're going through, mind you that that statement, that verse is regarding discipline, but you can apply it to so many other factors of your life. Anything you're going through, maybe you're looking towards a job or a relationship or a, a calling of ministry, whatever it may be, you're inquiring of the Lord, what should I do? And when you say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you empower me? He's going to do it. But are we listening? Are we listening? So before we go to Acts chapter 2 and reaccount this fire that was poured out, it's important for us to note a few things about Holy Spirit. The scripture shows us that the agency of the Holy Spirit is one package. His works then don't necessarily happen simultaneously, but it's one accord, one package. And this is seen throughout scripture, especially in Acts chapter 8 and 10, which we'll get to. Another area to keep in mind is the words describing his activities, such as filled, poured, rested, or rested upon are synonymous and are equal to one another. If you look at the Greek words for each of them, you'll see how they share a similarity of descripting factors. In fact, the words for wind and spirit are the same in the Greek. And so the goal that I've written here, big bold letters, the goal should not be for us to to cage in Holy Spirit, to legalize Holy Spirit, or formalize how, when, why, and how the Holy Spirit moves, descends, or falls, but that we would desire all that he has for us. All that he has for us. So let me ask you this question. How often do you consider this tremendous gift? This promised gift that Jesus said will come and fill you to overflowing. I have to admit, it's not something that I think about every single day. Being a place of thanksgiving, because you think about how remarkable it is that God continues to act within us and upon us by His Spirit is amazing. He's not one who created the universe and by cause and effect and just left it on to its own accord, but He's imminently involved in human affairs. And so, as we continue to look through the scriptures, we will see a few key things. One is He's a trusted counselor who will be with you forever. He's a counselor who abides and offers timely teaching, right judgment, and helpful next steps. How many here like next steps? Ones that are helpful and timely. A counselor who provides timely empowerment for that season when you're given next steps. Lord, how how do I honor my spouse? Lord, how do I set an example for my family? Lord, how do I, and you ask all those questions, 
by the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And we'll see how the counselor, although invisible in form, is yet profoundly personable and therefore knowable because of the path he takes. Think of it like this. Just as you can't see the wind, doesn't mean it's not there. In fact, we can witness it right now. Actually, it's kind of it's calm. But on a very windy day, you can see the trees moving and shaking. There's this effect. There's this causation upon all that are in the path of the wind. Because the wind follows a, a precise direction. This is very similar. The Holy Spirit, it says, knows the very mind and thoughts of God and intercedes with us. So you can count on the Holy Spirit moving on that prescribed path that honors the Lord in all things. And so whenever you hear the words with, in, and upon, this relationship that we enjoy with Holy Spirit, he's gently nurturing us across the path, the road, if you will, that God would have us be on. Thank you, Jesus. And so who is Holy Spirit? Who is Holy Spirit and what does he do? It's similar when you go to class and you go to, you know, uh, kids, you can, you know, invite your, your mother and father to career day and they say, who's your father or mother and what did they do? It's a very similar, helpful exercise that we're going to go through because those who know him, if I asked you right now, do you know him? If you've tangibly experienced his presence and his activity, you'd be able to describe to me how and the ways that he's moved upon your life and the evidence that you've seen. And so the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture is referred as the Spirit of God who transforms and empowers all people. When was the last time you looked in the mirror, just for a sake of an illustration, and you look and say, I've seen some transformation. You know, as you get older, naturally, you, maybe you see transformation that you don't want to see. But when you're honest with yourself and your relationship with Christ, if you're really truly honest, you'll see how the Holy Spirit has led you and guides you and has been forming you in the image of Christ. If you're truly honest with it. And so we see throughout the word that his presence moves freely in power, even in spite of us at times. Because the Bible says in Ephesians that he fills everything everywhere with his presence. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruoshe. Ruoshe means breath, wind, spirit. In Genesis 2, it says, Then the Lord of God formed man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Breath. And then wind, Acts 2, 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying and praising God. Wind, breath. In fact, we see in Exodus when God met with Moses on Mount Sinai, it said that the mountaintop was enveloped with the smoke that was caused by the fire in which God fell upon the mountain and filled the place and it ascended up to heaven. Wind, breath, fire. 
Here we see in Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, and when they were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like that of violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. God's activity moving alive and well. From the very beginning to the dawn of time, God desired to move upon those he loved, to move upon his creation. Do you remember Adam and Eve in the garden? It says in Genesis 3.8, Then man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord. Remember, after they had fallen, they heard the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. He's always desired to be intimately involved with those he loves, with his very creation. And so scripture, as we've just read a few points, confirms this profound truth of this closeness and empowerment for those who seek him, who anticipate his presence. And yet at times, in spite of us. The same spirit who is active on creation, the same spirit who develops the fruit of the spirit, the same spirit when it says in Genesis 1-2, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the surf of the water's depths and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The same spirit who's hovering within us and upon us right now. As you're taking in the words of the scripture, seeds are being deposited and he's watering. It's permeating within your soul and spirit so that your spirit man would align with his spirit to desire what God desires, his good will and purpose. And so hopefully if you're here today, maybe you've questioned whether God, his spirit is still intricately involved in human history. I believe you can see that he is. And he always has been and he always will be. Back to Ezekiel, verse 27, I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow. Follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. And so in the New Testament, there, this is continuing. We see life transformation. We continue to see this activity where the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. And so when Peter speaks in Acts 2, which we're going to continue on, keep in mind what the Apostle Paul said regarding this pouring out upon all flesh. He says in 2 Corinthians 3.3, it is clear that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, the new has come. The Holy Spirit, God's activity working upon us, he's always doing a new thing. A new thing. Profoundly personal. Do you believe this? Do you know him? Amen. Amen. And as we continue on here, don't be afraid to say amen. Don't be afraid even if you, if you, if you feel a moving like a breeze 
to thank Jesus for being in this place and moving upon your heart. Another way that we can know Holy Spirit in such a profoundly personal way is as we've already described, Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not a thing, but a person. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as he. Now, I know this is hard to believe and hard to take away, and especially in today's day and age with everything going on. But Jesus uses a masculine pronoun while referring to the Spirit with a masculine noun, parakletos. Parakletos, which means to be called to one's aid. So here's, again, this activity, the Holy Spirit coming to our aid, personally being an advocate, counselor, comforter, and helper. Advocate, counselor, comforter, and helper. And if maybe you're here today and you're sitting on the fence, let's hear what Jesus has to say about Holy Spirit. Remember the same Spirit who came upon him and rested upon him when he was baptized in the River Jordan, in which God spoke and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus spoke to this abiding advocacy of Holy Spirit in a believer's life. He says in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to recognize him because it doesn't know him or see him. But you know him because he remains within you and will be in you. Look at that word, forever. The counselor to be with you forever. It's like the movie Sandlot, forever. If you understand the reference, forever. He is always there, even when you doubt. It says even when we're faithless, he is faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Why? Because Jesus says he remains with you and will be with you forever. John 14, 26, he says, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I told you. And what we can appreciate about this is on any given subject, you can rest assured if you're brutally honest with the Lord and ask him to counsel you in any situation if you and I were sitting having a cup of coffee right now, I truly believe because we're in Christ, we can come to a consensus on any subject and any issue that faces us, that fits within the goodwill and purpose of the Lord. Because of this promise, Jesus says, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I told you. How cool is that? It's not like counselors today where you can understand their flesh and blood and they can tire, they can fatigue. Maybe they could even tune out. Maybe you don't recognize it, but times counselors could maybe tune out when you're sharing the same thing over and over again. But the Holy Spirit never tires. It's always there for you. He says in John 16, 13 to 15, he says, when the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. Think about it. Well, who's he listening to? Is he listening to man? Is he listening to man's desires? Is he listening to idol worship? No. It says, he will declare to you what is to come from the very throne room of God. 
John 16, 14, he will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine, and this is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. And so here's the awesome piece of declaring of what is mine and declaring it to you is this helper, is an advocate and counselor, but also the great empowerer. If I can put it that way, empower. Jesus said, Acts 1.8, we've already read it, but you, put yourself in there, but you, Tony, but you, Susan, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses. And replace these other places for a moment. In Waterford, in Simcoe, in Port Dover, and all the face of the earth. Amen? It's okay to clap. Amen. It's a praise offering, right? It's straightforward, and yet it's always rich to be reminded of this, isn't it? I'm right there with you. I'm telling you right now, I get excited even as I'm preaching because I'm being encouraged in the Spirit. As you read the Word of God, it promises to reach in and transform. And as we return to Acts chapter 2, we're going to see this. The purpose of this outpouring, this filling, this resting upon, we see in verse 11, is about declaring the greatness of God. Lifting him up and not ourselves. The Lord just keeps on giving and giving and giving. Amen? Who here enjoys such a beneficial promise? Amen. Makes me think of it in this way. How many married people we have in the house? So, you know, when you, when you got engaged and you, you, you were presented with your ring, and that ring came with a promise. The promise of marriage that on the wedding day, everything has been promised would be unleashed. And there would be great expectation and anticipation for the day. When the day arrives, it's a big celebration. Everyone's there. Everyone's patting each other on the back and in celebration. And that then and there, you're free to enjoy the blessing of that relationship in union. And this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Because we are the, the, part of the wedding feast of the Lord, his bride. And he gives us good gifts. A promised gift that is good. Now, just imagine for a moment on your wedding day, someone came up to you and said, okay, I, I know you're excited and even look forward today, but you're not really married. You are, but you're not. You're going to realize it down the road. It's, it's going to come somewhere down here, somewhere. That doesn't make sense, does it? When you're married, you're married. The full promise of that reunion or union and relationship is in full force from the very moment that you say your vows. This is no different when Jesus says, when you believe in me, as Peter would put it this way, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of promised Holy Spirit. It's not an if. It's a promise. And it's hard for us to take this away because we live in a time where people make promises and a lot of times we can't keep them. We mean well, but we don't keep them. 
Nonetheless, the people of God, the followers, the 11 and also the women. And there's probably, scholars believe, about 100 of them at this place in time. And the Holy Spirit is poured out. And in verse 2 of Acts 2 says, Suddenly a sound, it's great to hear it again, like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying, and they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them, and then they were filled, remember that word, filled, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven, and when the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each of, them, each of them heard them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and those who live in Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Phygeria, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and parts of Libya, and the list goes on. It says in verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. And they were all astounded and perplexed. I, don't want, I just want to focus this for a sake of time. Back to verse 11. It says that they, were, they could hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in their own language. This is the beautiful truth that the Holy Spirit who rests upon you transforms you so that you would declare and testify who changed you, who's been working within your life to the glory of God to declare his greatness and not ours. And so the Spirit enabled them to speak so people from every nation could hear this testimony. Think about it. It wasn't set to a certain small region in time. But Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so that involves us. Ephesians 1.13, one of my favorite verses says this, in him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And just for a moment, if you will, I want to invite you just to close your eyes and to take this in as you hear this verse. In him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. And so when you think about this ever personal activity of God with us, in us, and upon us, this promised gift of Holy Spirit is not complicated. Just like salvation's not complicated, the promised gift is not meant to be complicated. Remember what I said, it's not about legalizing the ifs and hows Holy Spirit can move, but just being open to what he wants to do within your life, to the glory of God. This is something I can promise you. Sometimes it takes us to hit rock bottom to truly appreciate this and really lean into Holy Spirit. 
But in all experiences that we face, he can work through it all and he can show that he's trustworthy, that he's a counselor that's always with you and for you and will provide timely, sound judgment, whether you're in crisis or in a time of praise and joy. All because we believe in Jesus. There's so much here. All because we believe in Jesus and what he has done. It's so much more than being forgiven, as beautiful and wonderful as that is. We're not downplaying it. But on top of that, we all have the same access to God. We're the dwelling place where God dwells by his spirit, where heaven touches earth. Right now, heaven is touching earth. If you have an ailment in your body, you have a need, all you have to do is reach out, even symbolically, infusing your spirit with Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, I need you. And like the scripture and song says, he's right there. He's attentive to every prayer because heaven is touching earth. Heaven is touching earth. We're recipients of this multifaceted gift of Holy Spirit. And when you can appreciate that, when you can praise him in that, you will remember and be filled with joy like the apostles and followers of Christ where it says they were continually in the temple praising God because he never held on, out on them and he never holds out on us. Do you believe this? Amen. Amen. As John begins to play, I'm going to invite the worship team to, to join him. I want to invite us to from, take away everything that you've heard as we've looked throughout Scripture and have been encouraged this afternoon to lean into Holy Spirit. Remember, this is just part one of four parts. exercise, if you will, to lean in and say, Lord, Spirit of the living God, I want all that you have destined for me. I don't want to resist you. Like the followers here in the upper room, I'm going to anticipate and expect that everything that comes from you, every good and perfect gift is of you, Lord. So in this place, as the worship team fosters this house of worship, I want to invite you if you're able. You don't have to stand, but in this place, because you're seated in Christ, maybe even symbolically to raise your hands and with, your, with your hearts and even your lips raised just to welcome him.
Okay.